You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. My name is James Garcia, and each week I talk to photographers from around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week I interviewed Lego photographer Alan Rappa. As a fellow indoor studio photographer, I wanted to know about Alan's setup and creative process. We also chat about how he went from photographing Disney parks to toys, his new role as a regular contributor at Toy Photographers, and much more. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Alan Rappa. Alan, welcome to the show. I'm uh, so glad to have you here on the podcast finally. I'm a huge fan of your work, and you are now part of the Toy Photographers team, which is great. So I'm just excited to talk to you about all of those things. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this week? I am doing very well, James. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, as a, a huge fan of the podcast, like I, it's surreal for me to to talk to you and to participate on it. So um, as I was, I was telling you earlier prior to recording that, I, I listened to the podcast during my commute which is a pretty brutal one. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to listen to this episode because I'll probably just cringe <laughs> at the sound of my voice, but thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to have you here. And it's it's so cool to hear that you listen on your commute because that's how I used to ingest podcasts as well. And it's just, it's cool to hear how people listen to the show. Um, before we start jumping into your toy photography and all that stuff, how did you first get into photography? Were you doing photography stuff before you were shooting Lego? I warn you, this I may have the the lamest uh, superhero origin story when it comes to how I got into photography, but I'm I'm proud of it, and uh, you know it's come a long way since since I first picked up a camera. And really, for me, I was very fortunate growing up that my family took frequent trips to Walt Disney World, uh, you know, which probably a lot of other families, you know, in the, in this area did the same. And there was something about it that just captivated me, and I I wanted to try to bring home as much of the the sights and the sounds as I could. So I, you know, I used to borrow my dad's little film camera and just take these really, really awful photos of as much as I could. I, I don't even think any of those rolls of film ever got developed. But I fast forward several years when digital cameras first became a thing. And I remember I got my first Sony digital camera at a whopping 3.3 megapixels. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And um, to make matters even worse, I set it on the lowest resolution setting so I can fit as many pictures as possible <laughs> on my, my 64 megabyte uh, memory stick. And I would just, you know, again, I continued these Disney vacations and just took these very, very sterile, uh, boring photos of Every attraction, every every street, every sign, just in an attempt to, to capture it and create these catalogs at home. Uh, it it took a very long time of doing that. You know, I started on one photography site called PBase, where I would store all my photos. I don't even know if they're around. Eventually, found Flickr at one year, and it was through Flickr that I discovered that there was other photographers out there that were specializing or were focusing on Walt Disney World, but they were taking incredible shots. I mean, they were setting up these amazing compositions. They were paying attention to exposure and, and, and you know, storytelling through their photos. And I was totally blown away. Hmm. Like that completely opened my eyes to what was capable through photography. And very sheepishly, I just started messaging a lot of these users saying like, hey, uh, you know, how on earth did you do this? How did you, you know, I, I took a photo of the same spot and mine is very flat, very bland. It's, it's not interesting at all. And they were super encouraging and, and, and very, very nice to respond with just helpful tips. And from there, I just started to study and learn more about photography. And um, it's kind of just been 
I guess, a part of my life ever since. See, I don't think that's a lame origin story at all. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I, I like that you actually reached out to people and asked them how to do things. Because I, I was kind of the same way when I first started doing photography. I would just look at everybody else's photos and think like, God, how did they do this? And I would like try to investigate the photos and look at what they might have been doing and look at the exif data on Flickr and see what settings they might have been using and stuff. I like that you took that a step farther and just asked the people. <laughs> and again, I, I, they probably shrugged and like moaned when I got those emails because I wasn't sure the questions I was asking, you know, and I, I was just basically, how did you do this? Like, I, what, what is the magic that you're, you're wielding that I'm just, I'm not privy to. And the, at that time there was this budding Disney Parks photography community that really was starting to take hold. So there mm. was groups forming on Flickr. There was sites that were springing up dedicated to helping people with their park photography and helping them if they wanted to shoot some of the fireworks shows. So I met a, a lot of great people through this that are still friends to this day. Wow. So how long ago was was this? Like how long ago were you doing all of the Disney Park stuff? Well, you know, it was I was going to parks very, very frequently until um, the kids came around, probably about six years ago when my son Ollie was born. And, you know, it, traveling becomes a little more difficult to anyone could tell you when they first have kids. So I wasn't going to Disney as frequently. And that's when I started looking for, OK, well, I don't want all this camera gear to sit and get dusty. You know, wh what can I do to kind of keep creativity flowing and, and keep photography going? And that's when I, I started turning my focus to, you know, kind of what was surrounding me in my, my basement where all my photography gear lived was just an immense collection of toys and, and things. And I said, it just, it, I kicked myself for never putting two and two together and never really turning my lens towards toys prior to that. But it, it just became something I started doing as a goof. And then I just, uh, as you can tell, I kind of stuck with it a little bit. <laughs> I had read that you started toy photography because you had kids, and I was wondering what the uh, why toy photography was the right outlet for you at that point. Was it just because it was something accessible and something easy for you to to keep testing out your photography chops on? Oh yeah, totally. You know, I like again, I when the kids came along, I like I had my man cave in the basement, so that's where my photography gear was, so it was safe and sound, and it also where my toys were, so those they were safe as well. And then it just kind of uh, the aha moment, like hey, you know what if I just kind of take a couple pictures of these toys or do something here? And I, I truly credit my brother-in-law with, with enforcing this because he was also a toy collector and he was very, very into the, the, the kid robot and the, the vinyl collectible toys. Hmm. And he would always post like these just, you know, random pictures and they were so cool. There were, there were so much, um, so much detail and expression in these photos that it really got me hooked. And that's why I said, well, I, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I don't have a lot of free time. So this is something that I could do. Just, you know, go down to the basement, fire up a few photos just for kicks. And, you know, that's, uh, that's, it slowly started to become something I was doing more and more. I, I think I maybe just joined Instagram at that time and I was posting some of these toy photos and, you know, that's where the addiction started to really take a hold. Awesome. What kind of toys were you photographing at the time? Uh, again, it was really like the the vinyl collectibles. Um, I didn't know a lot about that world, so I was only picking up things by artists that I, I enjoyed or I liked their style. I'm trying to think of like, uh, well, I can't even remember any of the names off the top of my head, but like the yeah, Kid Robot had their Dunnies series. So I was grabbing a lot of those and that looked cool. And just, you know, just, again, it was very, very basic. I was just setting up some background lighting and kind of throwing the figures in front of them, not thinking of creating any scenes or, or telling any stories or, or, or trying to convey any emotions at all. Just trying to take some fun photos at that time. 
that makes sense to me, especially if you're just getting started out. Now you photograph a lot of Lego stuff. Lego is kind of your main subject. How did <laughs> how did you transition into doing Lego? It was kind of a forced transition. Um, well, I mean, first of all, Lego shooting Lego is extremely versatile because, I mean, you've got access to all these bricks. You can create these scenes, and that's that was one of the aspects of it for me. Well, I, you know, I could just build the scene I want. I can build the the, the kind of the backgrounds that I need. It's extremely versatile and. Mm -hmm. Uh, Legos with their limited articulation, or I'm sorry, Lego minifigures. People will kill me for saying Legos, but Lego minifigures with a limited articulation was a a cool challenge to me. Like, okay, how do you, how do you get expressions out of these figures? How do you you know start to convey emotions when you have um, one or two expressions, facial expressions at best, and their arms can't really move uh, this great range of motion. And the third, where I say I was forced into it, was just I was running out of money. I was buying way too many toys, and I <laughs> needed to find a way to, to to limit myself to a single muse. And uh, I get I just I decided to stick with Legos. Lego, oof. <laughs> I know it's tough to to make that <laughs> distinction, especially if you've been saying it your whole life one way. Um, so yeah, audience, please forgive us. <laughs> yeah, please. It, nothing makes you sound like an amateur more when you say Legos. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a fan of Lego as a kid? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, you'd probably be hard pressed to find someone who wasn't. Right. But I grew, I grew up with two brothers, and we're actually we're still fighting to this day over our childhood Lego stash. <laughs> um, you know, it was it was at my older brother's house for some time. He was telling me he couldn't find it. Then I hear he gave some of it to my younger brother. You know, so we joke about it that that needs to be divided equally amongst the three of us, so we can then pass it down to our children. <laughs> Yeah, I lucked out where I only have one brother, and uh, he wasn't really into Lego very much. Oh, nice. So when my mom saved all of our stuff, I got all the Lego stuff, and we kind of divvied up, like, uh, you know, he gets Power Rangers and Ninja Turtle action figures and stuff like that. Like, we, we kind of picked the... Luckily, we had distinctive <laughs> favorites. You know? Was this, was this so. something you did as an adult? You said, okay, here we go. We're to divvy up our childhood. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, a lot of it is still in my mom's basement, but uh, someday we'll have to go through the two of us and just kind of pick and choose. I think it's funny you guys kind of did the same thing. <laughs> no, we, we didn't do it. The, it there's, it's still it's still a, a point of contention amongst all of us. Where <laughs> where did this, this stash of Lego bricks go, and when will we all get our share? Right. It's, it's like you guys have to go on some kind of treasure hunt someday and find it and then fight over who gets all the pieces. Yeah, and it's killing me too because growing up, I, I was a huge fan of the space themes, and I, I know we had uh, so many of those sets. I mean, it just I can't imagine how many spacemen are sitting in this, this box somewhere buried. <laughs> So I just wanted to ask, like, you have kids now. Are they old enough to understand what you're doing and understand what toy photography is and see your work? How, how is that going? Uh, this, this is a touchy subject because <laughs> I, a lot of times I feel like the dad from the first Lego movie. Like, we, there is a definite distinction in the house of <laughs> what are my toys and what are their toys. Now, I, I have been trying to come to terms with that and I've donated a lot of my toys to their toys but I do have my my sanctuary here in the basement where the the bulk of my lego sets live and this is off limits to the kids without adult supervision nice how how old are your kids now my my big guy is six and a half that's oliver and my sweetheart is uh, two and a half that's penelope mm, okay. now you know penelope's she's 
she's just starting to get into Lego. She, because of her older brother, she didn't want anything to do with Duplo. So she, she skipped that. And when <laughs> we were, we thought it was safe that was, she wasn't going to eat any bricks. She started to get her own Lego sets. Uh, Ali, on the other hand, has an entire Minecraft village in his room. So nice. he's, he's huge on Minecraft, and anytime a new set comes out, he, he definitely wants to get that. But as far as the photography aspect, I, Ali's helped me out on a, a bunch of shoots, so it's been a oh, lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, he's he's helped me hold reflectors, or you know, if I tell him, hey, can you just go trip the, you know, press the shutter button for me as I'm I'm holding various lights in awkward positions, <laughs> you know, he's even got his own camera that we've gone out and we've we've shot toys a couple of times. I, I don't know what he thinks of it just yet. But he's, you know, I, I would love to instill um, a, a love of photography in him, you know, and, and let him, you know, take that with him as he grows up. But right now he's he's hooked on video games. So <laughs> maybe he'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe baby steps, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think that's awesome. I don't have kids yet myself, but um, I envision in the future trying to get them, my future kids into toy photography. And, and I'm already stressing about which kind of toys are theirs and which are mine and, and what they're allowed and are not allowed to touch. My wife teases me about that stuff all the time. So it, it makes it makes sense that uh, you're kind of in that boat. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, I just tell them like, yeah, well, I guess one day all of these will be yours, but that day is not today. <laughs> right. I've got I've got to take photos at least of these first before I hand them off to you and you can incorporate them into your city or, or take them apart and do whatever you want with them. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So when you started photographing Lego, what were kind of the first uh, sets or characters that you started photographing and, and buying for yourself? You know, I, I think I really got serious about Lego around the time The Force Awakens came out. Hmm. Uh, and it was, again, there was, I, I really enjoyed The Force Awakens. I loved the return to practical effects. And I, you know, I wanted to try to challenge myself to do the same with my my toy photography. So I would kind of, you know, I would go over the scenes from the movie and say, okay, well, they, they did this practically in the film. How could I do this, you know, at home using things that I could uh, scavenge from around the house? So it was the Star Wars sets that were were always a big draw to me, and that, that's where I, I first cut my teeth, and you know I went through the those movies, and then I started to branch out from there. I'm a very latecomer to the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hmm. So I think the the past year I, I spent a lot of time and money just picking up Marvel sets, you know, as I as I caught up throughout all the films leading up to Endgame, but uh, yeah, Star Wars was what really drew me in. Those were my 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 first pickups. That's awesome. I love that it was The Force Awakens, too, because that was kind of, you know, the resurgence of Star Wars and bringing it back to the classic practical effects style, as you had said. And that really inspired me to try practical effects and that kind of stuff, too. It's one thing I love about doing, like, studio photography. I know that you do studio photography a lot, is that it's kind of like building a little movie set, you know, just at a micro scale inside your, your office or man cave or wherever it might be. 100%. And it's a great creative challenge, too. Um, I mean, I also, it's necessary for me because I am horrendous at Photoshop. So, you know, a lot of people have sent me messages on Instagram like, oh, your photos suck because you don't do lightsaber effects. I'm like, well, I, I just, I don't know how to do any of that. But I'd, I'd much rather spend my time, okay, how can I, how can I create something visually in camera here? And to me, that's much more important than having a lightsaber that looks, you know, screen accurate, mm -hmm. you know. Maybe I can position some flashlights to, to try to illuminate the blades a little bit, make them glow, uh, do some longer exposures to really draw out those colors. But 
you know, that to me that it's that's the the fun part of it and the challenge. And um, you know, when you see those effects come together in your camera's LCD, it's like you're you're down there high fiving yourself, like, yeah, this is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I solved this puzzle and figured it out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like one of your recent shots, you just did a an endgame shot with Nebula and you had this awesome like hologram that's in camera in the shot and I was so blown away and you even put like a little behind the scenes on Instagram how you did it and it still it just doesn't really comprehend for me like how you managed to pull that off in camera so I like that you're you're experimenting with those things and always finding cool new ways to to make those effects show up yeah and that I, I appreciate that James thanks so much and I, I, I want to write a, a bigger tutorial about that fact because Again, a lot of the effects like that one or other things I do, they are so easy to pull off. You know, you just got to give yourself a little time for some trial and, and error. But really, I'm not, there's no rocket science going on here. It's really just managing your camera's exposure. A lot of times, similar to doing light writing, you know, as, as someone's burning in these these images, just running through a frame. It's the same type of effects in the the nebula shot that's using an effect called Pepper's Ghost, which is centuries old. It's <laughs> used actually at Walt Disney World's Haunted Mansion. It's very, very popular around Halloween. You know, people that want to create these uh, these images and these ghosts in their windows at home. But it, it's so simple to pull off. Uh, the only thing you need to invest in is maybe $3 if you don't have a little piece of plexiglass to do it. But uh, I promise, I know I've been uh, saying I'll put up a full tutorial of that for a while, but I, it's it's on my to-do list to get it done re <laughs> relatively soon. <laughs> no rush. I mean, the photo's only a few days old, so <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot here. But um, but yeah, and, and I love that, too. Um, it makes sense that you were inspired by Force Awakens because your shots have a, a really unique cinematic style to them, too. Can you talk about that, like how you kind of refined that style and what some of your other influences might have been? Hmm. Um, you know, I um, it's awesome to hear you say that because that is something that I wanted to achieve. I never was sure if I actually conveyed that. Uh, again, a lot of my shots I crop into sixteen by nine, and then I put on the, you know, the the black borders and the top of them, the bottom to kind of create that like letterbox view. Most likely because a lot of the work I'm doing is I am trying to recreate scenes from film. So uh, I spend a lot of time watching the movies, pausing the scenes, you know, studying them as much as I can, and then trying to figure out, okay, you know, where where's the lighting coming from? Where's the tension coming from in this scene? You know, how can I convey that on a, a much, much smaller scale? You know, what do I need to add? What do I need to subtract? What's the storytelling happening here? I, I wish I could talk about how I'm doing it, but I'm not really certain. Uh, it's great that it's <laughs> it's coming across in the photos, but it's just a matter of really. I mean, you're I'm, you're studying the works of these masters, so it's um, I'm I'm a copycat, if anything, uh, to to pull that effect off. <laughs> well, you do such a great job. Like some of your recreations from the Lego Movie Two, I would see you post those and think that they were actually screenshots from the movie. Until then, <laughs> I saw your name next to it and be like, "Oh wow, you know, you just you did such a great job recreating those things." And it makes sense that you would study the footage and and kind of um, try to recreate it your own way or, or kind of a reverse engineer some of the things that they were doing just by looking at the final product. Sure, thanks, James. But again, the the Lego Movie shots that's like almost cheating basically because they <laughs> spell it all out for you you know they they use even though it's digitally created they're 
they're mostly using real Lego elements. So it's just, again, studying those scenes and trying to figure out, okay, exactly, reverse engineer this. How do I build this? Where's the light coming from? And it, it's crazy to think in those films too, what they're, they're doing the exact opposite since they're making them digitally. They're like, how do I fake those imperfections of lighting? How do I get those nasty reflections and fingerprints to, to appear? All the stuff that I'm trying very carefully to avoid in a photo, they have to actually you know, study and, and add back in to make those films look as, as real as they do. Yeah, and I've read before that they actually look at Lego photographers, like I know that they've looked at uh, Avenant's work as far as like what would these Lego minifigures and pieces look like if we were filming them, you know, in this way. So I think it's cool that they initially were inspired by Lego photographers and now Lego photographers have turned around and are recreating those works too. It's this really cool circle that's that's happening between uh, the creative people. It's amazing. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about your, your studio setup because uh, I talk to a lot of photographers who are, are mostly outdoor stuff or do different things, but you do most of your stuff in studio. Is that right? That is correct. And I mean, studio in air quotes, it's really just a repurposed computer desk that I, I had in my basement that I, I cleared off, put some black paper in the background to kind of mask off um, anything I don't want in the shot. But yeah, that, I mean, I... I'm super intimidated about shooting outdoors. I know there's so many people in our community that nail it. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me because, you know, you're at the mercy of the lighting conditions that are out there. So you have to be an incredible photographer to be able to make those work in your favor. Again, I feel like I'm a bit of a cheat because I'm shooting in an environment where I'm controlling 100% of my light. You know, I, I don't have any ambient light or any other light spilling into my shot aside from things that are purposely placed. So I, I tend to turn off all overhead lights in the basement and I'm only using, you know, my, my little Manfrotto, uh, Lumines or Lumimuse lights, I'm sorry. And, um, just whatever other elements that I'm trying to to add into the shot. So as much as I would love to get outside and shoot more, I feel so much more comfortable shooting in the basement, shooting on a just a, a small little computer desk where I can add in whatever I need. I can build things that extend out of the frame and hide um, hide elements or views that I don't want in the shot. I can control my camera angle. So it's really a master of the domain down here. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about studio photography as well, is just having that control of everything, especially the light. Because um, I'm like you, where I, I go outside and I feel immediately intimidated and nervous about, okay, where am I going to go to find this perfect spot? And, and in the studio, it's so much easier to just sit down and kind of get lost in the photo and work out all the little details and experiment with the different kind of lighting or, or setups or backgrounds or whatever the case might be. So um, I, I know exactly where you're coming from there. Yeah. You know, again, I, I would love to shoot outside more. I would love to, to, to try that more, but it's just, uh, I feel like when I do take photos outside, uh, I'm just, I'm not completely happy with them. And I, it's rare that I actually post any of those. What's a typical shoot for you? Like, like from idea to execution, how long do you typically work on a photo? Oh, um, that's a good question. So typically I have a, a bookmark in my browser to a form that I made in just Google Docs. So if, there's a lot of times I'll be at work and I'll think of, hey, this would be a funny shot or this would be a cool shot. So I use that to just kind of document the idea. What is it that I want to shot, shoot? What what elements or minifigures do I need in the shot? And then it, it just goes into a spreadsheet that I keep. Now, from that point, it's just a matter of 
uh, thinking the shot through. A lot of times what I'll do, I have a notebook and I'll just kind of sketch out how I want it to look, how I, th- I think I want to set up the lights. And the reason I'm doing this in a notebook is because the, the the time, the free time I have at home in front of my camera is very, very limited. So I try to keep the creativity going outside, you know, through the rest of my day. So it's not just, you know, I get in front of my camera, I have an hour to figure out a shot and I, I, I ruin it all by trying to, you know, go through these initial setups. Hmm. So, so I'll start to plan it out in a notebook. And then um, once I've got a general idea of what it is I, I want to try to shoot, and I, I manage to find some free time usually after the kids are both in bed. Then I'll, I'll come downstairs and I'll, I'll start putting together. And I mean, you, you know the drill. It doesn't always work. Then it requires some refinements and some tweaking. But I always I always start with setting up you know, my ambient light. What is my background going to look like? What is the light that I want that's not my primary light? And I, I focus on that. And that's how I, I work my exposure around that to make sure I, I'm getting the look and feel through my ambient light that I want in the scene. And then once I'm good there, that's when I'll, you know, make, I'll adjust for my primary light, which is usually just a, a flash or two with a small soft box that I, I handhold over, you know, over my, my subject in my shot. Hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but it, it's just a, a lot, like I said, a lot a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of adjusting, a lot of refining, a lot of adding light, looking at the photo and saying, ah, that's, that's too much, removing some light. A lot of times I'll, I'll make it um, to Lightroom with my photos and then I'm just like, you know, there's there's still something missing. Or nine times out of ten, I didn't properly dust the photos. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, and there's like microscopic little fibers or dust and that ruins it. Or I didn't. I didn't properly assemble a figure, so there's light spilling through between their waist and their legs, and it's like, ah, go back and like reset up the seat and reshoot. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times that has happened to me. Just me like, too, or like the hands are upside down, or the hair yep. is slightly you know, yep. ajar on their heads or something. Yeah, there, it's, it's always something little like that, which is funny because you and I stress over so many of the other details, like the lighting and the setups and stuff, that we overlook the those things, you know, until we're actually looking at the final shot in a, on a yep. computer. Exactly. Well, I do, you know, even worse, because on the Nebula shot... Um, I was going from memory of the scene from the film, and apparently I used the wrong nebulas, which Instagram users are all so you know happy to point out that oh this is the wrong wrong character you got them reversed, you know I had done that once with um, the Last Jedi I'd mixed up the lightsabers between Luke and uh, and Kylo Ren, and it's like you know you're so focused on all these other things that it just mistakes do happen. Yeah, you know, we're only human. (laughs) Exactly. And and you could always pass it off as like, oh, well, that was intentional, or that's a a commentary on such and such. (laughs) Exactly. This is my personal interpretation of that scene. (laughs) Right. So rewinding a bit, how did you get involved in the toy photography community and first find the toy photography community? You know, um, wow, so... So I guess it all goes back to Instagram, which is, you know, is I still use Flickr from time to time, but with the, the toy photography, I was primarily focused on Instagram. You know, as I was transitioning from Disney into Disney photography into toy photography, I kind of divided. You know, Flickr was my Disney photos and Instagram as just a throwaway was my toy photography. Well, that slowly started to change where I was using um, Flickr less and less. I was taking less Disney photos and I was focusing more on Instagram and the toy photography. And I, w- I was starting to seek out more and more 
toy photographers again just to to see other styles and other takes and getting into the community and it was uh shelly that i think first reached out and um and asked like hey you know you interested in maybe writing something about yourself um a little intro and uh, what you what is you do and it was just incredible timing because right around then i had just registered a domain and I was just about to start my own little thing and, and putting up tutorials and more behind the scenes photos there. And I was dragging my feet on it because I created a WordPress page and or WordPress site and trying to find a nice theme and, and get it all set up. And I was like, man, I just don't have the, the time or energy to do this. <laughs> so I had, Shelly reached out at just the absolute perfect point. And she also, there was some opportunities to work on some uh, Lego fan photos at that time and it was just incredible i it was very vindicating to me to to be recognized and and um you know, between shelly and brett saying hey we like your style just even to hear that i had developed a style was like you know an eye-opening uh, <laughs> moment wow okay yeah this this is really cool so i i was so psyched because again when i was saying earlier when i i started in photography and i started messaging people and just asking random questions and then i found the disney community the being part of a community, you learn just uh, the, the rate of learning just increases exponentially. Yes, and I, I was so excited to to find that with toy photography, and even more, more excited to be a part of it because through my Instagram, I was starting to get more and more questions like, "Hey, you know, those questions that I asked initially, how do you do this? How do you do that?" And I I did my best to respond to everybody, and then you you get these responses back like, oh, hey, I didn't think you would write back. That's so awesome. Like, well, why wouldn't I write back? You you took the time to reach out to me and ask a question. I 100% absolutely want to help you as as much as you know I feasibly can. I think having sites like um, toyphotographers.com is just it's incredible. It's an incredible resource to those wanting to to learn or to improve their photography, and just I'm. Um, super ecstatic to be part of the team. Um, I wish I had more time to devote to it and to, to write more articles. Uh, work is kind of killing me and, and having two kids is eats up a lot of your time, but uh, I'm really doing my best and I'm excited at some of the things, some of the, the posts that I've, I've got in the back of my head that I want to put together. And I hope other people really enjoy them. Just how simple it is to pull off some of these effects and just how using you, know, you don't need to go out and buy new gear all the time. You don't need to go buy new lighting. Just try to dig around your house and and find some things to to recycle into your shots. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ecstatic to be part of the community. Um, and just I looking forward to contributing as much as possible. It's been so cool to see all of the work that you've done for the blog so far, and and to see people responding so well to your work. And I'm the same way. Where you know I as I said, started out similarly to you, where I was just seeking and, and asking all these people these questions about how do you pull these things off. And it's so cool to now have uh, an outlet like Toy Photographers, where we can really collect everybody's different uh, stories and, and interpretations of things and methods and, and see how how diverse the community really is and how many different people are doing different things and, and accomplishing so many different forms of art with these similar toys. It's, it's really cool. And it's something I wish that Toy Photographers was around when we had started out, you know, all those years ago. I, I think it would have been easier for us to maybe jump into it and, and start learning more quickly than we than we eventually did. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I miss the, the Google Plus community because there was there was so much yes. happening there. And it was so cool to pop in and just see like, hey, here's a quick uh, behind the scenes from someone. This is how I did this. Or, hey, anybody have any ideas on how to pull this type of effect off? So, so I, you know, I, I kind of totally skipped that. That's probably how I, I started getting more into it was through Google Plus and, and posting there. And then unfortunately, when we lost that resource, uh, you know, we, we had to venture off on our own. I'm unfortunately not super connected into the MeWe community as much as I want to be, and I'm trying to remedy that now. But are you involved with the MeWe community at all and, and posting there? Now, you know, I'm in the same boat. I, I have the app installed on my phone. I see the notifications pop, but what, what's I think what's working against me is I just get the notification that says, hey, there's a new comment, there's or there's a new post, there's a new post, there's a new post. So it's it's not as engaging as saying, hey, someone posted this about, you know, this type of photography. So I don't know if I'm doing something wrong with the, the site and the community there, but I do need I would I do need to get back into that conversation. Yeah, it's one of those things that's hard with, with there being so many different apps and so many different places for us to post our work and then also all of those life responsibilities to remember to plug into all of these different places and and to to engage in them with them in different ways can be challenging for sure. Precisely, yeah. So writing for the blog, it's, it's so awesome. Like I said, you're, you're doing a great job there. You, you said you have some upcoming post ideas. You want to tease anything that, that you might have, you know, bouncing around the back of your mind? Yeah, I mean, I hate to tease this one even more, but the again, the Pepper's Ghost effect, that's the one I use for that Nebula shot. I've used it in the past to create lots of Star Wars holograms. That's, I think, next up on my my list of things to do. It's a very, very easy effect to, to pull off. Uh, you just need to, again, you just need a couple, couple little things that most likely you can find around the house. So I'm just trying to find a good way to put that into words. A lot of times when I'm I'm writing these these posts. I'm thinking, man, this might be better if I just do this as a video. And then I get super intimidated because I'm thinking, well, hey, if I can't even write this, trying to put it together as a video would just take even longer. But uh, yeah, I've got that one uh, in works. One that I think is publishing soon, uh, depending on when this this podcast is being released, is one about faking fire effects, hmm. which you know we we had um, another post recently on the blog about working with real fire and. I wanted to post a little a counter to that for anyone like myself who's super intimidated about bringing fire near their 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 toys, especially in your basement. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, especially in your basement. A little little tougher. Definitely a no go to working with fire down here. But so this is just some of the techniques I used in the past. Um, again, very very easy to pull off. Just requires a little trial and error and a camera that allows you to control your shutter speed, and then you you, you could safely uh, you know burn your toys without any fear of them melting on you. Sweet. I, I look forward to reading that because I definitely want to learn some of those tricks myself. Uh, do you have any creative goals for the rest of 2019? Hmm, creative goals for this year? Uh, you know, I'm happy right now if I could just manage to squeeze out one photo a week. <laughs> I would like to just keep that going. It's just, uh, time is, is difficult to find at the moment. So hopefully working out a way that, to keep the, the photos going. Uh, maybe since we talked about it today, one thing that I really should probably work on is getting outside more, especially over the summer here and uh, trying to do more outdoor photography. Uh, just, I think really trying to continue to work on the blog, put more posts together as far as the behind the scenes, help encourage those who are just getting started. I think that'd be a really, really re rewarding year. And then I say this every year, but I'd never do it is, but I'd also like to do more prints, you know, hmm. whether 
print a, a collection of photos or just um, you know prints to to hang up on the wall. I think I up to this date I think I only have one toy photography print that I've ever done, and it was for a buddy of mine for his birthday present. And I shot this photo of uh, a little Death Star blowing up in the background with Luke and Han and Leia all taking selfies in front of it. Oh, yeah, I remember that photo. That was a great one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. I, it was a, an idea that came to me that I thought he would really appreciate. And, you know, I made a print for him. He's got it hanging up in his house. And it's I'm so jealous. I'm like, man, it, it, you know, photos look incredible when they're they're printed out. And, you know, Instagram is great and all, but it's such a, a, a another way for those who are, aren't glued to their phones to appreciate the work that, go, that goes into these shots. So, But again, I say doing prints every year, and it just never seems to materialize. <laughs> again, you and I are on the same page there, where I, I feel exactly the same way, where it's, I, I really want to learn how to print my photos and do it well and and actually, you know, see them printed out and, and have that more lasting work than something like Instagram, where you, you post it and after a couple days, it's kind of forgotten about on your feed, you know. Um, so I feel the same way. And I think for you doing collections would be great too, or some kind of book or something, just because you do so many different little series of, of photos, you know, like you'll spend a couple weeks doing recreations from Lego Movie 2, and then you'll move on to doing Endgame or something. So I think having little collections of your work printed out would be amazing and fit your um, your output really, really well. Oh, thanks, James. I think it uh, sounds like you and I need to, to push each other and challenge each other throughout this year to actually <laughs> <Yes>. do these things. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're going to uh, be doing a, a episode of the podcast about printing your photos, too, um, hopefully in the next month or two. So people can look forward to that. And uh, you can listen to that on your commute and hopefully pick up some tips from that as well. <laughs> Dynamite. I can't wait. Do you have any tips for people just getting into photography and Lego photography? I know you kind of gave some earlier, but anything you want to leave people with going forward? Some tips. Sure. I mean, just just shoot. I mean, I, I know that sounds really, really dumb and vague, but when I first got into photography and then when I, I, I was at that point where I wanted to refine and improve, I took countless photos especially now we all have our phones we all it's all digital so you don't have to worry about your you know using up film or anything like that just shoot and shoot and shoot and look at your photos uh and and see what's working what's not try to refine try to learn on your own but if you can't if you're stuck and you see someone's style that you really like or you see something somebody doing something cool ask I mean, nine out of 10 times, I think everybody's going to be uh, flattered that you reached out to them, flattered that you like their work and, you know, be wanting to return that, um, that back to you and, and try to answer your questions as best as you can. I mean, again, I, I know I, anytime somebody messaged me, I was always more than happy and more than gracious to, to do my best to answer their questions. Uh, a lot of times people are saying, what, what camera do I need? What lens do I need? And all that. But focus on composition first and work with what you have. I know um, I'm a recovering gear addict, so I, <laughs> I know what it's like when you, you know, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. But really get comfortable in your own skin, get comfortable with the gear you have, work on the basics and, and getting your composition down, getting your exposure. And then that is information that will will translate through your your gear acquisition as you, you switch up your camera, you switch up your lenses, your lighting, whatever. But you, you need those those concepts at its core. Otherwise, like I was when I started out, you're just taking these very, very clinical, boring photos that, that won't capture anyone's attention or capture anyone's eye. So yeah, ask questions, shoot, you know, um, look at work that you like and yeah, reach out to the authors and the creators and 
I guess that's it. <laughs> I guess those are my tips. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah, those are very good tips. And, and something that we can clearly see through your own work, um, as you talked about taking those early Disney park photos and then how flat they were and stuff. And now to see all of the life and stories and stuff that you bring into your, your toy photography work now, it's clear that you, you definitely learned the craft and did the work in order to get to this point. And uh, I think it paid off and I think you're doing a great job. Well, thanks James. But again, keep in mind too, photography is something that I think we're all still constantly learning new concepts. There's yes. so much there to do. So it's, you know, you, you learn, you evolve, you, you execute and then you can you just continue to grow. So that's why it's such a, a a great hobby to be into and toy photography especially because there's there's so many little wor- worlds for us all to explore yes absolutely um and uh, if people want to continue exploring those new worlds with you how can they find your work online uh again i'm uh alan rappa on instagram as well as on twitter though twitter i i talk a lot about poop stories and stuff like that so you might want to stick to instagram <laughs> if it's the toy photography you're interested in um i'm also on Flickr as well as alan rappa um or just you know hey shoot me an email it's just alan.rappa at gmail.com again i may be slow to respond but uh, i'm always happy to talk shop and of course toyphotographers.com yes yeah yeah look forward to your your tutorials and walkthroughs uh, on the site as well and and alan thank you so much for coming on the show i feel like we, we kind of blazed through all of your questions but you're you're so well spoken and so on top <laughs> of of um your art and, and how you feel about it and what you want to say so this was a really fun conversation i'll definitely have to get you back on the show one time we can talk about light or do an episode about studio photography or something like that I would love to do that, James. Thanks so much for having me on. And please, if you do edit, go back and remove any time I said Legos so I'm not chastised. But uh, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. Leave them in. We all make mistakes, right? Right. But thank thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I look forward to doing it again someday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore toy photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week.